This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode on the Mindful Experiment as Each week, we have someone that we interview, and to this episode, I had the joy of interviewing Bill Small, and we discussed a lot of things, the entrepreneurial journey, his his, his upcoming as a musician, what his history has taught him, his past has helped him to be the coach that he is today, and the struggles that we go through, the things about business that we don't think when we're going into one and how that affects us, you know, and, and the the unknowns to the process and how to navigate those waters and so much more. It was a really awesome convo. I know there's gonna be a lot of nuggets in this one for you to really grasp for your life, whether you're in business or not, it's going to benefit you uh, in some way, shape or form. So before I go ahead and we get to the episode recording, Here's a little bit about Bill. Bill is a no stranger to diversifying his skills. He's made his living as a singer, songwriter, uh, multi-instrumentalist, mystiquero, mystiquero, yeah, entrepreneur, artist, producer, vocal coach, business, and personal coach. All facets that combine into a potent mu- musical uh, musical force evident on his latest release, Call Me Lucky. Bill grew up in a musical household where everyone could sing, just a stone's thrown away from the Big Apple, from Sinatra, and swing to show tunes, Todd Ruger, um, I can't talk today, Uh, Rugerin to Pink Floyd, 
Growing into the 70s with FM radio and two older sisters to steal records from, he caught the music bug bad. Part of his teen years were spent learning everything he could about theater while working as a student, performing an intern at the whole theater company in Montclair, New Jersey. When he wasn't doing that, he was writing songs and, you guessed it, playing in bands. Bill moved around uh, some during high school with his family and then on to his own after graduation and always found the band to play music with. Playing in bands has been a constant for most of his life after two years studying voice at Berkeley College of Music in Boston and another couple of years living in Jersey and working in New York City, he decided to make a change. His family had lived in a magical place called Austin, Texas before he was born, and when he was very young, they used to take the family vacations to Texas. He had been hearing about all the great music there and, of course, being in his guitar slinger phase, the lure of Stevie Ray was too hard to resist. Bill moved to Austin along with two great friends and fine musicians from Jersey, and they found themselves performing all over Austin in the early 90s as heavy weather. More bands came and went in the 90s, Radio Thieves, String Bones, and a solo record entitled Singing. There was a movie back to Boston, then to Nashville, a divorce, and then finally a move back to Austin in 2004. As Bill puts it, fate intervened for his longest-running band gig to date. I got a call from my friend Marcus Elgrid, another old friend from Texas who had recently returned from Nashville. He was having lunch with my friend John Greenberg and Walt Wilkins. I heard Walt in Nashville and we met once briefly and I was a big fan of his music. Walt needed a band for a gig at Greenwood um, Hall and John was kind enough to remind him that I played with the bass. So the Mystic Heroes were born on stage at Gurney Hall in the spring of 2006, best band I've ever worked with, period. Since then, there's been more records produced and or engineered, lots of mel- miles, lots of shows, and lots of more to come. Call Me Lucky is Bill's latest solo offering, a soulful and thoughtful album full of plenty of stomp and groove. Coupled with Bill's unmistakable vocal style, it made for a journey just as entertaining as his life story. So sit back and relax, enjoy this life story and the wonderful nuggets that I had with this wonderful conversation with Bill Small. Bill, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on. It's uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation because it's a topic that uh, I am looking. To, I just enjoy talking about. And I think it's so needed in the world, and uh, can't wait to see where this this conversation goes. But before we get into that, would you mind sharing with the listeners just your journey, your your story of what led you to what you do today? Well, I'm not sure if this uh, is is totally a part of the story, but you are the only person that I've ever said I, I went to high school in LaGrange, Illinois for a year who actually knew where that was. I love that. I, I When so, you said, when we were talking beforehand, I was just like, when you're like, oh, I know Indian Head Park, blah, blah. I'm like, yep, exactly. Wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> that uh, doesn't happen often. <laughs> uh-uh. So I, I moved around a lot. Uh, a little bit, a, a lot, a little bit, I guess, as a kid, was on the East Coast a bunch. I came to Texas uh, in 1990 because I, I announced when I was 12 years old to my dad that I was going to be a professional musician. And for the last 40 years, I have been some version of that. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the music business is, uh, well, let's just call it interesting. I'm not going to call it hard. I probably should. But it's interesting. And uh, 
a lot of ups and downs. Uh, you don't always know. I, I don't think people really get prepared to know that they're running a business as a musician, that they're, you know, self-employed most of the time and have to learn all of that. And somewhere along the way, you know, like anybody else in my 30s, I was trying to figure things out and got on my own sort of personal uh, development journey, if you will. And I got trained to be a coach. But I didn't know that was something that you could do like for a living. Uh, and for a while, I was actually a vocal coach because that's what I studied in college. And the interesting thing about teaching voice is that it's, I always say it's like 20% physical technique because you can't see it. It's not like playing a piano where I can say, hey, move your finger over here. and It'll be right. Uh, it's 20% physical technique and 80% what's going on in your head. And I found I was much more interested in that 80% of what's going on in your head. And then uh, around 2008, I guess, I was uh, kind of coming off the road with this band that I ended up uh, then being in for the next 15 years. We had just put out a record. I was tired and uh, kind of broke and I needed something else to do. And I fell into a job in Austin, Texas as a coach for some uh, authors that at the time uh, were popular and had big followings and people wanted help from them. So the company I worked for supplied coaches for their coaching programs. And I went from being someone who had coached people, um, you know, unofficially and in, you know, seminars and, you know, kind of things like that as a volunteer to having 37 clients. And uh, that's the kind of situation where you either find out you love this and are going to keep doing it or you run screaming from the room. And uh, I really dug it. And so, you know, 2008, about a year later, nobody was paying for uh, big coaching programs because, you know, the economy kind of crashed. But I kept it up. And, and it was really for the next several years, something I kind of did on the side as I traveled around and played music. And, uh, and then once uh, our son was born and we bought a house and, you know, did some other things, I decided, you know, maybe I'll take this a little more seriously. And one of the things that I found when I had a whole bunch of clients is that my favorite clients to work with were like me. They had their own businesses. And it doesn't, didn't even matter what the business was because oftentimes as a business owner, we're all dealing with the same stuff. And it's kind of a lonely gig. Uh, who are you going to talk to? Who are you going to work out problems with when you run a business? Um, so I started really focusing my attention on how can I help other small business owners? And so that's how I ended up doing what I do. That is so cool. And I love how you brought up, you know, the music industry is uh, a business. It's interesting in ways. And uh, there, there had to be, there's probably, there's probably some lessons in there that you've learned through that process to allow you, uh, you know, in, in the coaching that you do now uh, from there. I would be, Absolutely. I would say I'd be shocked if there wasn't, but yeah, um, there's a, there's a lot. And I think there's even more than people realize. Um, 
you know, and, and not to mention that failing miserably at something over and over again, you know, really teaches you a lot about how to not do that. What would you say was one of the biggest life lesson or business lesson or both that you had in that journey? I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is that it has a lot to do with, and this is going to, it sounds so cliche, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I guess cliches are cliches for a reason, right? Exactly. It has a lot to do with doing, like really doing what feels good in your, in your work. Um, I've always managed to figure out, and I think most people can figure out how to make money. But over my time, when I made money doing things that I really didn't like doing, not only did I not really make very much money, I also uh, suffered. It was awful. Uh, and I was always looking for a way out of that to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So I think being able to really uh, get to the core of what it is about your business or in your business that, that really feels good and keeping your attention on that is super important. And also that uh, <laughs> you can't do it alone. You just can't do it alone. You have to have um, the right people around you. I, I couldn't agree with that more. That is one of the the biggest lessons I got in my own career is just focusing on, and it, it is a cliche, but it, it's, you know, it is so true on so many levels about just do what you love or do it, what feels really good to you. Like mm -hmm. that is you just really lights you up that you don't care if, how much you get paid or you could do it for free. It's just, it, you, you just love doing that. You can't see yourself not doing it because you enjoy it so much. Yeah. And even, you know, I mean, I'm, I still am in the music, you know, I still have a music business, right. But it changed dramatically. 2020, I didn't work. Uh, and one of the things that that made me realize was there were aspects of what I was doing that I really didn't want to do anymore. Um, I think, between, oh, I think the last half of 2018 and into 2019, I put 52,000 miles on my car. And almost all of that was around music, driving and playing. And I did that for a really long, some version of that for a really long time. And when I stopped and I went, oh, <laughs> hey, this feels pretty good not doing that. Um, and, and it's funny because there's a part of me that goes, well, you're supposed to want to do that. You're supposed to want to keep doing that. And I think we all can fall into that around our businesses. You're supposed to want to do this piece of it, even though it doesn't really feel good. And so now all I'm really looking at is what parts of this feel really good. What parts of this light me up and let's do that. That's awesome, brother. That is for the listeners. That is like profound advice there because that is what really leads a life to fulfillment. Yes. And, you know, and, and if you do that, then, you know, some people say, well, I have to, I have bills to pay, I have that to pay. It will all take care of itself as long as you keep doing what you love, that you love what you're doing there. Yeah, I what agree. Excites and, you. 
And it doesn't mean that you're not taking care of business or you're not making money or, or any of that. But it's funny, every time I have tried to do something just because I knew it would make me money, I don't make any money. And it, it, I had to do it a hundred times to figure that out. So uh, it, it's just, it, it's not the way to go. It, it isn't in so many ways. I, I've, I've went through that in my own experience in my own career where, you know, you hit a financial, I hit a financial peak and then I was like, I'm very unfulfilled here. Like you think mm -hmm. after all this money you think you would make and you get there that all of a sudden life would just be so much more glorious. And it was, it wasn't satisfying. And I was yeah. just like, what is going on here? This is so weird. And it made me go through this whole six month, like introspect journey. Cause when I do something, I just don't do it in a quick moment. I'm like, I'm going to go as deep as I possibly can in this. And then it was like, literally what you're sharing is what I did. It was just like, what do I really enjoy and love about practicing as a chiropractor? And I was like, I love working with kids. Uh, at the time, I didn't see a lot of percentage of them. And I was like, I, I enjoy working with them. They're just so, they're just, just, um, they're amazing. I could be a, I could be a big kid every single day. And that's important to me. And so all of a sudden I'm like, let's make it happen. And then, you know, as I said, everything takes care of itself. Six months later from 5%, we're at 48% pediatric volume. Did nothing yeah. new, but it was just doing that. And so yeah, you uh, put I just want to reinforce that. On it. Yeah. You know, you put your attention on it and all of a sudden, it starts showing up with no, and another thing too, is like, there was no, I didn't worry about, is it really working? Is it happening? I just was like, we're going to have a pediatric office and we're going to be 50%. That was my goal. And I'm like, whenever that happens, it's going to happen, but we're just going to, this is what we're moving towards. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I remember my wife's like, we just kept seeing the results. She's like, I, I did like a six month review. And all of a sudden I look and I'm like, we're at 48%. I said, what do you mean? 48%. I'm like, we're at 48% pediatric, zero to 17. And I was like breaking down all the percentages and different brackets of break. You know, I'm just, a, I like to, I'm very left brain. Uh, I like to be left brain sometimes. And I'm like, look at this. Here's how it breaks down. And she's like, that's awesome. You, you were doing what we wanted. And I'm going, that is so crazy. Wow. I didn't even have to think about this. And then after that moment, I just changed everything I did to be like that. So yeah, isn't it, isn't it wild how, you can do that. You can say, this is what I want. And then sometimes when you're in the middle of it and you actually have it, you don't realize that that's what's happening. Like you have to stop and look and say, wait a minute, what's actually going on here? Yeah. It's fascinating how that sneaks up on you sometimes um, or shocks you in some ways. Yeah. And, and uh, but it, it, it's, it's, it's one, that's why I love that message you shared. That's why I'm bringing up a couple things here to, you know, just to, to, to hammer on that point. Um, but I want to take another step here in a little bit and get into, you know, with what you do and the work you do and, and so forth, how important is it for just anyone? We can go an entrepreneur, we can just go, you know, anyone in just general to practice or utilize the essence of mindfulness. Mm. Well, you know, you, and I, I'm not looking at it right now, but I remember I looked at your website and one of the words that really jumped out to me immediately was mindset. And as a coach who's been doing this for a long time, it can be hard in business, well, really anywhere, um, to get people to understand that mindset comes before everything. Um, you know, they they think of it as a soft skill or, a, you know, something that, it's woo woo or something else. I don't know. And I, and I realized along the way that uh, one of the things that I think 
is fun for me and fulfilling for me about coaching is that, look, I'm on this journey too. I'm trying to figure myself and my stuff out all the time. And mindfulness is an interesting thing because it's such a, a buzzword now. It's all over the place. But when, when I step back and I look at myself, I remember when I was a kid, I used to pretend to meditate. I thought it looked cool. I didn't know anything about it, but I would sit there with my legs crossed and close my eyes uh, and pretend to meditate. And maybe I was actually meditating. I don't remember. And then uh, in college, uh, I took a philosophy class. It was philosophy of Zen and Taoism. And our teacher was super cool. And he had the whole class meditating. Every class. And so then I started doing that at home. And I went in and out of that. But I was always looking for more information and more viewpoints around how do I um, deal with the noise in my head. And over the last few years, in my own journey in meditation and mindfulness, I realized how much of that I was already doing with clients. We just weren't necessarily calling it that. Um, like I always say, the only thing that gets in your way is you. Um, and along with that, your brain is an a-hole <laughs> because, you know, let's face it. If, if anybody talked to you the way your brain talks to you, you'd punch their lights out. You would not have anything to do with them. Um, it, it would be awful, but your brain says terrible things to you all the time. And it probably always will. The thing is, when you can't distinguish between the noise in your head and you, because they're not the same thing, when you can't distinguish that, when you can't pull that apart, then you believe all that stuff. You get plugged into all that stuff. And, you know, that's probably what was having you have this really successful business, but not enjoy it, not feel anything, not feel like you accomplished anything. Cause that, that noise in your head is just running. And the only way out of that, that I know anyway, is mindfulness. Just want to take a quick break here and just share with you. If you've been enjoying this episode, please do me a huge favor and just share it with a friend, a family member, someone that you know would benefit or enjoy listening to this just like you are. If this is your first time listening to the episode, please subscribe if you haven't done so already. It allows you not to miss another update or episode release that we do. If you're enjoying this, please do me a huge favor and share a review on whatever platform that you listen to at uh, the podcast on. It helps expand our reach and our mission out there and so much more. Now, let's go ahead and let's get back to the show. No, it's so true. And when you said the noise in your head, it's also like 
for me at that time, it was that the conditioning of listening to all the most successful chiropractors, the top mm. business advice, all yeah. that. Cause, and it got to a point where I always, I talk a lot about this with clients about, you really have to know what you want and why you want it. Like you, you got to get down to those deep roots. And, and for me, I didn't know, I thought, oh, this is what I wanted. This is great. But it was really conditioning and it was, it was in my subconscious and uh, it takes one of those moments, but yeah, mindfulness is, is uh, it's huge. I love how you brought up like the woo-woo sometimes people say about mindset. And I, sometimes like, I love when things get exposure, like everyone's talking about mindset now, right? Yes. It's, it's, you hear it all over. Yeah. But it's like, but that's usually when it, it loses its essence. Cause when I talk to people about mindset and I, I they're like, Oh, what's, you know, what's mindset? Oh, it's this, there's this, there's that. And they come with all the labels. I'm like, that's, that, that's part of it, but let's go deeper. And then they're like, what do you mean by deeper? I'm like, there's other elements. Well, that's mindset. You have a fix here and fix there. That could be this and this. And I'm like, that's intellectually what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. let's go a little deeper into that. And then like, and then, and that's when they puzzles them. And I'm like, you're just, you're learning, you're reading and listening, but you're not internalizing and making it an experience to understand it in your room. Yeah. To be honest, I try not to use any of the words. Um, Cause you know, back when I, when I got my first professional coaching gig, we were called life coaches and I hesitate to use the term now because it's been used in some really off-putting ways. Um, and I don't know that it's accurate, you know, totally. Um, so I don't use it mindset. You know, there's people that it, it turns them off. So I try not to use it. I just sneak into it. <laughs> you know I, I know I mean? what you mean. Cause I I've been thinking about it too, my way. Cause I, I call myself a business and spiritual mindset coach. And I'm kind of like, right. yeah, I don't know if I want to keep mindset in there. I might have to change that. Cause I just don't like the connotation and everyone's using the term and it's just like, but they water it down. And then it's right. like, and then it just becomes oh, this person talks about this. And then when you read what they do or you follow them, it's like, okay, they don't really, they're, they're just copying from someone else and you can just see it, how they all talk. Um, but I don't want to talk negative about that, but it's, it's, it, but, Getting back to the 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 element of mindfulness, then what is a mm. practice that you share either with clients or yourself? And mm. I think you mentioned it already. It's meditation, and I love how you. I've always had a call. Maybe it was because of influence from my dad. He was always into martial arts. He he, he did yeah. a lot of martial arts growing up. I didn't do a lot of martial arts. I wish I was pushed more into it. Um, but I had an episode where I got really angry and and sparring, and I I kind of I. I it's hit somebody where they started bleeding through their nose and I got scared because mm. I was like, man, I don't know how to control that. If I can't control that, because they were kicking my butt like crazy. And then all of a sudden something switched. And and then I started, it's like the matrix. You see the moves coming. <laughs> yeah. It was a crazy, I was only 12, I was like 11 years old, not 10 years wow. old, maybe. And I literally just knew every move all of a sudden that came. And then I just came with a roundhouse and it nailed him right on the nose. He fell down to the floor. And then I just saw blood. And I was just like, that can never happen again. I don't want to hurt somebody. And I wish somebody was there just to say, Hey, that's fine. You're learning, you know, you, you yeah. will work through this, but that's why I always had an interest into meditation and East Eastern Oriental philosophy and stuff mm -hmm. is medit is meditation that key component for you or is there other things too on top of it? I think that's the big one. And, uh, I flirted around with martial arts as a kid, you know, took it for a while, didn't took it for a while, didn't had my longest run with it, I think in my late twenties. Um, and I started again because the place I went offered Tai Chi and that's really what I wanted to do because I was interested in that moving meditation thing. And 
And I realized, I just remembered this when we were talking that I had uh, in my early sort of show business life, uh, I grew up volunteering and being a production assistant and doing shows at this place in New Jersey called the whole theater company. It was in Montclair, New Jersey. It was a really cool place. And taking acting classes. And when you start taking acting classes, you're doing meditation. There are a lot of exercises that have you doing a version of meditation. They don't really talk about it that way, but that's what it is. So every time I was exposed to it after that, it felt kind of normal. Do you know what I mean? Totally. I totally know and, what I mean. And I flirted around with it. And, and even I would say five or six years ago, I was still having a really hard time being consistent. Uh, you know, I would, I'd go for a while and then I'd stop for weeks or months and then I'd go for a while and I'd stop for weeks or months. And, and I'm not even entirely sure what flipped, but I, I wanted to see, Hey, what would happen if I didn't stop for a while? Or if I did what I tell my clients to do, which is usually the hard thing is actually doing what you tell your clients to do. <laughs> um, one of the things I always tell people is small, consistent actions over time create change, create lasting change. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to make every day. It just means that when you stop, you start again. And it's funny because that's what meditation is all about. That's what mindfulness meditation is all about. When you stop, you start again. If the idea is to focus on your breath, inevitably you will stop doing that and you'll start thinking about stuff. And then you'll remember, oh, I'm supposed to be focusing on my breath. And you come back. And, and that moment, is what it's all about. That's the whole reason to be there. That is the essence to me of mindfulness, of actually tuning in even for just a second to what's going on up there. Oh, I ran away. Okay, come back. And as, and as I've built and as people build that muscle of I went away, I come back. I find I can use that in every single area of my life. I mean, how many times have you started a project and not finished it? Because maybe, you know, you fell out and then you said, ah, well, I haven't done it in a week, so what's the point? Come back. How many times have you decided I'm going to start exercising, you know, <laughs> and uh, you exercise for two weeks and then you stop and then, you know, what's the point? Well, come back. And as you get more muscle in that going away and coming back, it affects everything. I love that. Yeah. I love how you, you, you bring the whole thing of just coming back. Cause it really is. Um, I know whenever I prescribe medication to people, a uh, medication, meditation, sorry. Uh, I, can't, <laughs> well, I cannot prescribe medication at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a medication in a way. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where they get so, I always warn them. Like, and I used to tell this to patients too, because I, uh, I had a technology, heart rate variability. That's starting to get popular now, but um, it was a little different and more clinical based. But 
I can use that to see where is the tone of their nervous system and how dominant one side is versus the other. Mm. And then I would use chiropractic first to show how it can influence it drastically. But chiropractic is not the end all be all because if I'm adjusting somebody and then they go right back to stress and their stressful lifestyle, overwhelm, exhaust, you know, whatever that may be, um, and not eating well, not exercising, not sleeping well, that's, those are too many stressful things in their environment that's going to influence their neurology and affect what I do. It's not going to allow me to, it'll be more holding them in the space rather than helping create a change. And yes. so then I would look at mindfulness practices, breath work and meditation and things like that. And it's fascinating because I get some who will like fight me on it. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, I'm just sharing with you what works. You can do it or you don't. It's up to you. Um, but this is just on top of everything else. And the ones who would do the work, it was always interesting because their, uh, their neurology will change. It like gave me a little bit to help make the shift that we needed to do. And, uh, and then when you do that and you have your nervous system more in a balanced state, you can get to higher levels of consciousness. You can get to higher levels of functioning and you can be stronger. As you're saying, like you, you build that muscle, it can allow you to stay more in a focused state, state even way longer because you're not going to be so easily distracted, um, from the process. And so I kind of, but I always warn them ahead of time, when you do this, you're going to get frustrated yes. when you do this. Don't be mad at yourself yeah. if you can't sit there and you can't sit and focus for a whole 10 minutes. Yeah, because the I... thing is, you're not supposed to be good at it. That's what I tell <laughs> all my clients. I'm like, you're not supposed to be good at this. By the way, nobody's good at this. Nobody. No. Nobody is a good meditator. There's no such thing. There's just people who are really okay with not being good at it. <laughs> yeah, I tell people all the time because like some people, like my clients would be like, well, you've been meditating for like 15 years. So you're like a master at this. I said, nope, I'm a student. And they're like, what do you mean? They're like, you don't get, I'm like, I, you don't think I sit in the space and some days, sometimes I can't even focus. And there's some times where I can be hyper-focused. I go, it's not perfect every time. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I practice often because I'm, I'm always trying to just keep recentering and keep getting myself connected and all those kind of things. And, uh, and they laugh at me. They're like, I can't believe that you, and I'm like, if you think I, I go, first of all, if you think you master something, you did it, you got it, it. We're all students at things. Um, we're always learning and evolving and growing and, and, and so forth. But, um, yeah, what would you say then with your experience in, in just meditating, what has been the, I don't want to say the reward, but, the mm -hmm. I don't want to say the, well, the benefit, I guess I can use, I, I guess that's a word, uh, to use with this is when it came to like, has helped you in your overall life. Yeah. Well, here's one thing I noticed is that human beings, we don't do anything if we don't get something out of it. And when I was struggling with consistency around meditation, I thought, am I doing this because I think I'm supposed to, or because I actually get something out of it. And so I had to pay attention for a little while to what do I get out of this? Why do I actually want to do it? And I think the two big things for me is that in a general way, I just feel better when I meditate somewhat consistently. I just feel better, like physically, mentally, all the way around. I am a lot more fun to be around. I am less liable to yell at my kid, um, which is super important to me. And uh, I get more done. I'm not 
uh, spinning off into other things or really just saying, you know what? Uh, I quit. I don't want to do anything. Uh, when I am consistent with meditation, it just allows me to, to be here and to deal. Um, we're all dealing with a lot of stuff. I mean, pretty sure before 2020, we were all dealing with a lot of stuff, but somehow it feels like more right now. Uh, and that's either going to make me nuts and stress me out and make me worry and make me want to, I don't know, move to Spain or it's going to, or I'm going to be able to be present in this moment and look out my window at the absolutely beautiful place I live and, and be grateful for that and see, and like really see it. And if I'm not regularly kind of getting back to even just for a second, that quiet spot in between the thoughts, that quiet spot that's actually me and not my brain. If I keep getting back to that, then it's easier for me to be present and look around and be present with my kid and be present with my work. And I think that's really the big thing. I think that is monumental in so many ways because when you, you know, it's the same thing for me. If I don't meditate, my I just feel off. Yeah. It, it, and, it, and, it, and I can push through, but it's like, I just don't feel like things are, I'm more forcing or going up against the grain where, where I meditate and I start my day. And I'm just like, all right, let's go. We're in a flow. And that's just, things will just, things just happen a lot easier, but you brought up something that's very key that I, I think is huge. And this is one of the other reasons why I meditate is you show up being more present. And when you're more present, as you know, as you experience this is that in your, with your, your with your children, your kid, you have one child or two, one, just one. one, cool. So with your one, one, one kiddo, it's uh it's one of those things where you're more present and you can be how when you're present in anything, it enriches everything, the relationship in business and, and, and with your health, with your, your mindset, anything. And um, when that happens, that's monumental because that just continues to compound. Yeah. And I think people don't realize that. Like, it's one of the things like, this is going to, when you show up as you, I would say, if you show up as the greatest version that you can for today, and you start doing that every single day, would you say in three months, six months, nine months, a year later, your life is going to be drastically different than where you were when you first, well, not, well, yeah, we're drastically different than where you were from when you first started. Yeah. Without question. Without question. And so that's where it's like, and it's so simple to do. Um, well, it's simple to do, but when you start practicing, it's not, <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> that's it's not simple. easy. It's not easy. We're just conditioned in a, we're conditioned in a way that's, uh, unfortunately with society today. I mean, what is our attention spans less than a goldfish, eight seconds. Um, <laughs> and I think it's even lower because that was like three years ago. Um, with TikTok now and all that other stuff and everything, it's just shortening up our attention spans more. So it makes it harder. Uh, even from a neurological perspective, they, used to, they did studies that said, oh, your brain rewires into a habit when 21 to 25 days. Um, and uh, I remember one of my uh, my neurology instructors, I had him for half my time at school, which he was the toughest instructor. You know, you, you, I wish it was just one class, but I was very blessed to have him for half. But he, he, um, he shared that he goes, because of this, um, the change in wire the brain now is taking longer. 
Oh, and it's up to about 84 days on average. Now I always tell people that's the average. It doesn't mean that's going to be for everybody, right? But 84 days now, it's just because of that. So people listening, what we're sharing here, you know, this mindfulness and meditation that changes the ball game to reduce that. Um, Are there any other things you do or what are, you know, other pieces of advice you share with clients when it comes to mindfulness that they can start to incorporate, or maybe just, we can, we can stay on the meditation side and just how can we start that practice? And I think you kind of did that already, but uh, with the comeback thing, but if not, I'm just gonna leave that to you, uh, which way you want to take that. I think there's two things. One, the most simple thing you can do is to just stop and breathe. Just, just take a breath. I mean, seriously, (laughs) I will have people on the phone freaking out and I'll just say, listen, just stop for a second, put your feet flat on the floor, just take a deep breath and notice where your feet are and notice where your hands are. Get from that swirly place in your head, into your body for a second, just for a second. And all of a sudden everything's different. Like you're here, you're here. It's that simple. It really is that simple. And anybody can do what I just did. Even my 10-year-old can do that. You know, he resists it, of course. (laughs) But he can. Uh, And, you know, I think, and your listeners probably know this, but we have weird, I think, uh, connotations and, and beliefs about what meditation actually is. Um, you know, like I'm going to be floating off my cushion for hours a day or something. And that's not it. And you could take five minutes. You could take three minutes on the days when I don't meditate. Cause there are days when I don't, uh, the goal then is just to, to do what I just said, just notice myself, you know, where are my limbs right now? I'm kind of tall and you know, what, what might be termed lanky. So if I'm not aware of my limbs, I will literally run into things. I will, I have smacked my Apple watch into the wall so many times because I'm walking around not paying attention. But when I drop from all that swirly stuff in my head back into my body and I notice where my feet and my hands are, I don't do that. Body awareness is very important. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's a great place to start. It's a great place to start. And it's and that really anybody can do. And and you could write yourself a note, you know, uh, where are your hands? <laughs> you know, and then every time you see the note, check in. Where Okay, where are they? All right, I'm good. I love that. Uh, yeah, it, it's so, it's so important. I'm, I'm a little clumsy. So, and, and, uh, I have a little one. I just became a dad two weeks, two months ago. Oh, and, congratulations. Oh, thank you, brother. And so it's been, uh, I, I always look this little being and I'm always looking at my wife. I'm like, and she goes, you know, you have to be a little more. I'm like, I know I'm trying to be, you know, I'm clumsy. <laughs> I just, it's just who I am. Uh, and she's like, I know she, I'm like, but I'll, I'll, I got to learn to be a little more sensitive now and this and that, which is fun, but it's enjoy. I, I love it. But no, it, it, it is, you know, just, you know, practicing just that where your body is in space is, is a game changer in general. Absolutely. Um, a lot of times I tell people to, you know, even when it comes just to meditating, just do something, every, you know, you're talking about breathing, slow down, just take a breath, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times with patients, I did this and I do this with clients is I'll say five times a day, set a timer on your alert, alarm on your phone or alert or whatever, a notification that you're going to have to stop. Um, and just set it to where you take 60 breaths at that moment mm-hmm. and just remind yourself. 
and it, you know they fight me on it but they're like okay six deep breaths okay whatever and i'm like just just do it and it, it, i trust me I, I can share the science with you i can i can speak to your left brain if you want but i'm just i want you to get into the experience i don't want you to have expectations and it's always fascinating for the ones who do it they're like i noticed like a week later like i wasn't getting into such negative thinking or i was a little calmer when i you know this or that and it's just like little things that we can do is just a game changer yeah absolutely um, Bill, where can, you know, I love this convo. I can go all day with you on mindfulness. Uh, I told you that beforehand. I was like, Oh, mindfulness. We can go all day. There's so many avenues I can go with you. Um, where, where can people find you, follow you, learn more yeah. about what you're doing and so forth? Uh, the two places I would send people is number one. I also have a podcast, uh, with, um, a partner. His name's Miles Hansen and it's called the subtle art of not yelling. And it's about the creative process. It's also about how to, you know, run your, your creative business without having to jump up and down really loud and say, look at me, look at me, look at me. Um, which for most creative people is really hard to do. Uh, and you can find that on, uh, you know, at subtleartofnotyelling.com or on Apple and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Of course, after you're done listening to this one. Um, and then, uh, you can also go, people can go to artistmind.co. That's my website or find me on Instagram at mind art coach. For all the listeners, I will have that in the show notes for you to check out. Um, Bill, this was fun. I, uh, I appreciate you and your, your story and what you're doing and, uh, it, it, it's much needed in the world. And I, I really enjoyed your energy and our conversation. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure, brother. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.